On Best Food Forward... There's so much emphasis on weight when you're pregnant. How many kilos have you put on? What's a safe amount? Oh, gosh, your baby's little. Oh, gosh, your baby's big. Does it matter how much weight we gain when we're pregnant? And what is a healthy weight range for pregnancy? One, two, three, four, five. Best Food Forward. 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 Best Food Forward with Nutrition Early Life Nutrition. <laughs> Best Food Forward with Nutrition Early Life Nutrition. <laughs> This is Best Food Forward, navigating nutrition through life's first 1,000 days. I'm Georgie Coughlin, and I'm joined by nutritionist, chef, and TV host, Zoe Bingley-Pullen. Hello, hello, everyone. And from Nutrition Careline, registered midwife and lactation consultant, Amanda Saunders. Hi. Today, we're weighing in on how to look after your body during pregnancy. Now, I remember when I was trying to get pregnant with my little girl, I suddenly felt quite critical of mm. my body rather than embracing it and showing mm. it compassion, which I, I'm normally really good at. Mm. And for some mums, it doesn't always go the way that we'd like it to go. This was the case for Pippa. She fell pregnant with her second child and she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. And naturally, the news took her by surprise. I was working in the city and I was walking along Elizabeth Street, really busy, really noisy, buses zooming past, and I rang my husband to tell him that I had gestational diabetes. And I didn't understand it and I didn't know what it was. And I was this crazy, tired, bawling lady. I remember that moment really clearly. Just the feeling of fear for my baby and that my body had let me down. Pippa's first pregnancy was a breeze and she wondered if she'd done something wrong. Because it was my second pregnancy and it was so close to my first, I worried that maybe I hadn't given my body enough time to rejuvenate and to be ready to have another baby or had I been eating the wrong diet? I didn't think I was an unhealthy person. I didn't think that I ate particularly bad things or anything like that. And it was just this overwhelming fear that my baby wasn't going to be okay. After I was diagnosed, my obstetrician was brilliant, but it also then opened a whole new world of doctors that I hadn't even heard of before. I didn't even know what an endocrinologist was. Endocrinologists specialise in hormone imbalances and helping restore them back to normal. This was the first time that I had attention from so many different medical avenues on my body and my weight and there's so much emphasis on weight when you're pregnant. How many kilos have you put on? What's a safe amount? Is the baby, oh gosh, your baby's little, oh gosh, your baby's big or, you know, it drives me nuts because everybody's body shapes are so different and I have such a short waist that my baby's just all went out the front all really quickly. There was periods of time where I'd go to my obstetrician for my regular checkup and you'd get on the scales and my weight would either not have changed or there were times where I may have lost a few hundred grams. And that was not of a concern to her, but something that she was acutely kind of aware of. And, you know, I was weighed a lot. It was the emotional roller coaster, just as much as a physical one for me. You know, in times like that, Google is not your friend. <laughs> you all of a sudden are afraid to eat anything and everything. And I had to kind of build new relationships with a variety of medical people who were there to help support me and teach me about what the condition was and how to live with it and live healthily with it. 
Pippa's attitude to food had a complete overhaul and she accessed some great resources along the way. Diabetes Australia give you a really good basis of diets and good food, bad food, recipe books, things like that. So sweet potato instead of regular potato, you know, portion sizes, half a cup of rice rather than a whole cup of rice. Rice and pasta were not my friend. And pre the diagnosis, you'd go to the supermarket and we would have a bottle of Coke in the shopping trolley or a bottle of lemon squash or something. And now, even now, I still don't buy soft drink. We'll have mineral water and things like that. But just little things that habits that have taken, you know, just kind of I don't have sugar in anything anymore. And so by the time um, Gil was born, my whole body shape had changed. My arms were defined. I mean, I was never a super large person by any means, but just cutting those things out of my diet and this whole new world of medical intervention. I still ended up with a beautiful eight-pound baby who was born two weeks early because he was just so ready to come out. And the relief that he was out and he was healthy and that he was feeding and doing all the right things was so huge. It was just wonderful to know that I got it right. We did it right. All the help and all the, you know, the people that I'd built around me, it, it had been the right process and we, and he was here and he was safe. This whole experience changed the way I look at food, my attitude to food. I have learned to trust my body as opposed to be angry at my body for feeling like it let me down. I've also learned, I have always felt like I've trusted the medical profession, but I've also now am really invested in listening to them, knowing that they have done it before. It's so cliche, you know, we've done this, women have been having babies for centuries, but building the right support around you is imperative and you can find the right people. There's always someone out there and you just have to kind of trust that and trust yourself. Oh, such a brave story and broke my heart when she was saying my body had let me down. Mm, yeah, you look, I mean, I in some ways saw it a little bit differently in a way because being a mum firsthand and, and a nutritionist and someone who's a very passionate foodie, what I saw this is that she actually took it as an opportunity. You know, she got the support around her. The outcome is that she's got this knowledge for the rest of her life now. I, I love this story. And education is so important, making sure that, you know, a lot of the women who are diagnosed with this haven't heard about it before and don't know what it means and don't know what's going to happen. Well, coming up, we're going to chat more about gestational diabetes and other ways that we can look after our bodies in pregnancy. Best food forward. With Nutrition Early Life Nutrition. This is Best Food Forward. I'm Georgie Coughlin, and I'm here with nutritionist, chef, and TV host Zoe Bingley Pullen, and Nutrition Careline's registered midwife and lactation consultant Amanda Saunders. Now, ladies, we've just heard Pippa's story, really brave account of how she has worked through gestational diabetes, and as you said, Zoe, earlier, come through with a really positive outcome. Yeah. Amanda, who gets gestational diabetes in pregnancy? There are risk factors that will increase your likelihood of getting it. So if you're overweight, previous gestational diabetes diagnosis in in previous pregnancies, but also family history. So if your mother or grandmother or sister might have had it in um, pregnancy. Also, if you already have hormonal imbalances like polycystic ovary syndrome, that can increase your likelihood. But there's also um, ethnicity comes into it as well. So 
a lot of women from Southeast Asia and Eastern Asian countries are more likely to develop gestational diabetes. And those women are women who might have a good weight and might have a good diet, but their genetics comes into it. But a lot of women get it, and there'll be people listening to this podcast now who would have been diagnosed. What are the impacts on the child? Because it sounds as though as long as it's monitored and you're liaising with your medical professions, it's really manageable. Yeah, it is. You know, some people can manage it with their diet. Some people might need oral medication and other people might need to go as far as um, insulin injections to help them be able to keep their glucose levels in within normal range. For the baby, there is an increased chance of baby being big. Insulin is a growth hormone. And so when you've got a lot of it floating around your body, it can affect baby's growth rate. Long term, it can also increase baby's risk of type 2 gestational diabetes later on in life. But that's where, you know, we saw in Pippa's story that she's already made lifelong changes in Mm. regards to her diet, which will then also pass on to her children. And that will help, you know, reduce that risk. Yeah. So Zoe, Pippa's story is very common when a woman is pregnant, we're so hard on ourselves oh, aren't we just? and our bodies and our weight. So what's what are some tips or personal experiences from your yeah. point of view about how we can try manage all those yeah. pressures? Look, I think if just sort of going on a little bit of my own personal experience, being that I am a nutritionist, I've always been of a healthy person and a healthy weight. When I um, had Emily, I put on 20 kilos, which is sort of just above the sort of the recommendation as well. Um, it was sort of a lot to do with the fact that I had been through IVF. I had had the, I'd had all kind of the, no- the wind knocked out of my sails. So when I got to that point, I knew I was eating more. Sure, I was probably eating more than I should, but it wasn't something that I worried about. And because I'd taken that pressure, that expectation away from myself, I loved the transformation that I was actually going through. The other thing also is I knew I had the knowledge to get back to where I was. So the fear mechanism that often we have in a lot of us, weight gain can be very scary if you don't know how to take it off as well. I mean, I think the key thing is don't compare yourself to others. Everybody has a different pregnancy. Every woman is different. Every person is different. As soon as we start comparing, we stop looking at ourselves. We stop Mm. being intuitive and we really do respond to those superficial mechanisms as well. I think it's just having realistic expectations on ourselves, you know, and and understanding that um, you're not just eating for you and you're not just emoting for you. So it's very important to realise that everything that you're consuming has an impact on you and how you're feeling in your baby. Mm. So how much weight gain is okay during pregnancy? So when it comes to weight gain, on average, it's about a kilo a month. And and that's just a healthy range to kind of stick within. If you think about that with about nine kilos, I think I put on about 12 Mm, or 13 kilos, but it can fluctuate. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I mean, every person is different. If you're obese, obviously less. If you're a healthy weight range, you've probably got a lot more flexibility within that overall. As a nutritionist, I don't talk a lot about BMI. A Mm. lot of what I talk about is is health in general, um, health ranges within weight, body fat percentages. We look a little bit deeper as the composition of a human body as opposed Mm. to just a number. Um, We're talking about body mass index for those of you who don't know what BMI (laughs) actually is. But I think BMI is generally what people do understand. So if you do have a high BMI, you know, your weight range is only to put on around six kilos. A lot of it is common sense as well, like trying to steer away from Google and trying to, like as people said, (laughs) Google is not your friend all the time. Well, you you create anxiety too sometimes. Sometimes you're better off just to, if you're craving potato chips, shouldn't you just maybe have some chips rather than creating so much anxiety in yourself about keeping everyone else happy? I think there's definitely, I think there's, I mean, we've got two different conversations going on here. We've got the need and the 
the desire for the person to feel better, mm. but then we have health responsibilities as well. So it's quite interesting because a lot of the way that we eat, we develop response mechanisms that can create pleasure senses. Mm. So for us, when we are craving, often we're craving a nutrient. We're not craving potato chips. We're craving probably the fats, that the lipids in there that the body needs so much, or it might be the salt because we're heavily dehydrated. So mm. it's about actually maybe kind of, yeah, sure, go for the potato chips, but decipher maybe that I could have some beautiful dip with a cracker on it with lots of salt on it, and you would probably yeah. get exactly what you want. I need you in my life. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that before, actually. Sure? I've had people ask me to move in. <laughs> Can I just put a little you on my shoulder when I'm ordering oh, it those chips? good and bad. I can show you. <laughs> what about exercising pregnancy? What are your thoughts there? Look, it's all within moderation. So, you know, 30 minutes a day, going for a walk. If you're still working, going for a walk at lunchtime around the block. Not all of a sudden sort of deciding that this is the great time to do, do a, a massive exercise health kick. <laughs> One thing I got a little bit anxious about is I got told to make sure your heart rate doesn't go over X. Yeah. And that gave me mm. huge anxiety because I remember being on the treadmill and panicking if my heart rate mm. going, am I damaging my baby here? So it's not necessarily, it's not so much about heart rate as it is about body temperature, core temperature. Mm. Um, what it is is that exercise is not just about our body composition. It's about the neurochemical responses that we have. More endorphins are released when we're exercising than anything else. So it is the quickest way to make us feel better yeah, about ourselves mentally. as well. Mm. Yeah. The other thing also is that the, the hormonal response that happens when we actually exercise, we balance our insulin levels, we regulate cortisol and adrenaline. So those anxiety-based hormones that then can have an impact on our mm. child, you know, they are also be, you know, they're being exposed to these hormones as well. I think get the advice. That's the key thing I'm going to say to people. So often when we become pregnant, we become a lot more in tune with what we should be eating, I mm -hmm. think. What are the key sort of nutrients and ingredients that we should be focusing on when we've got a little bubber inside us? Fibre content's very important. <laughs> <laughs> um, making sure as, you know, like green leafy vegetables, whole grains, trying to keep up that fibre content because it can be an issue throughout pregnancy. <laughs> Keeping up your water. Yeah. I think, I mean, what's really interesting if we looked at it, sort of what the body's actually needing, I mean, li lipids is a huge component of what we're eating. So we need a big percentage of fat to come into our diet, which for a lot of women, they go, what? Fat? I've been having no fat for so long. Mm. And when I'm talking about fats, I'm talking about the good fat. Oh, the so, good stuff. Yes, the goodies. So fish, avocado, extra virgin olive oil nuts and seeds. Mm. So it's really understanding that we're leading a huge amount of those essential fatty acids. Um, most lipids actually have to carry all our key nutrients, vitamin A, vitamin E, vitamin K, vitamin D. These are absolutely imperative from everything from antioxidant production to neurotransmitter production. So what am I putting in my shopping trolley? So you're going to put a range of different fruits and vegetables. Um, you're going to have some lovely sort of what we call more the ancient type grains, your quinoa, your spelts, your kamorts, your brown rice, your good quality white, white rices in a wild rice. Pasta, there's nothing wrong with pasta at all. But if you're going to have pasta, try and go for the most whole meal type version mm. of it as well. Okay. Lots of good quality lean protein, your fats, your good quality chicken. Uh, you know, if you are having uh, vegetarian sources of protein, you know, you are getting lots of legumes, pulses, nuts and seeds. These are so important. Eggs in the diet. So during pregnancy, our key message to ourselves, most importantly, is being kind, yes. isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Showing ourselves compassion maybe giving ourselves a little bit of a break and not comparing ourselves. Look, I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful transition you're going through and it's such a shame to kind of, you know, waste it on being mean to yourself. I always like to tell people that, you know, you've got to take some 
time just to be able to sit there and tell yourself you're doing a good job. (laughs) Or when we've got our children, we need to tell ourselves that a lot. Yes. (laughs) Hey, you're cooking in a little human. You're doing a great job. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining me, Zoe Bingley-Pullen and Amanda Saunders. And a big thanks to Pippa for sharing her story. Mm, (laughs) Thanks, everyone. Thank you. If you'd like more information and to get further advice, head to our website, bestfoodforwardpodcast.com with Nutrition Early Life Nutrition. I'm Georgie Coglin, and this is Best Food Forward.